Good morning. I uh, do hope that you're sitting comfortably and you're warm wherever you are this morning. One of the things I think we can always look to at this time of year to lift our spirits and to give us hope is the extra light each day, the increasing hours of daylight. With each day that passes, it seems like we move away from the darkness of winter towards the light of spring and summer. The events of the last 12 months have been difficult and a very difficult time for our world. As we watch the endless news cycle, it can feel like there's a great weight pressing down on us. And I know that many people I have spoken to, and myself even, we feel weary and tired by the things that have been going on. As we try to process these things, we can't help but feel the weight of it. And it feels at times like our world is getting a little bit darker. But at moments there are glimpses of light as well. I was so struck this week by the powerful healing words that came from the youth youth poet laureate from the United States, Amanda Gorman. She finished her poem with these words of hope. She said, there's always light if only we are brave enough to see it, if only we are brave enough to be it. In today's passage, we're going to hear Jesus, a Middle Eastern carpenter, who said he was the son of God, speak to us. And he's going to claim that he is the only true and lasting light in this dark and heartbroken and divided world. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But is that true? Is Jesus really the light of the world? I think in our own way, we're all looking for light in different places. We find it in different places. Maybe if we look at this passage together this morning, we'll see and come to understand why so many people in this world have decided that Jesus is the light of their life. Light was an important theme for the people of Israel. In the beginning, God had said, let there be light, and he had brought order out of chaos. And later, Israel had been chosen by God to be his special people in the world, and he wanted them to be a light to the world. For Israel, light represented the presence and the favor of God. And when they became enslaved in Egypt, God rescued them by bringing them out with his own presence, the light and glory of his own presence shown in a pillar of cloud and fire. Israel celebrated this miraculous event, their liberation from slavery, every year, right from the time of the Exodus down the centuries until the time of Christ. And they celebrated it in a special ceremony called the Ceremony of Illumination. This ceremony was part of the Feast of Tabernacles, which Nigel spoke to us about last last week. And it happened every year in Jerusalem. In one of the temple courts there, called the Court of the Women, four great towers were built. And each tower stood about 75 feet high. On each tower, there were four ladders, one on each side. And at the top, there were four golden bowls and those bowls were full of oil and at dusk on the ceremony day special men who had been chosen because they were holy took a ball of rags cut from the robes of the chief priests and the teachers of the law and they climbed to the top of the ladder and they used the ball of rags as a wick and they put it into the oil in the bowl and they lit the wick and a great flame erupted from each bowl The fires burned from dusk until dawn as the holy people and the holy men of Israel danced and sang psalms and worshipped God. It was said that the light was so bright that it illuminated every courtyard in Jerusalem. 
And you can imagine what a spectacle that must have been because in that land at that time, after nightfall, the only light that there was was provided by small oil lamps. As much as Israel was looking back as part of this ceremony, they were also looking forward to a time when the Messiah, God's promised light, would come into the world and free them from slavery and oppression that they had suffered through the centuries. And and this person would come and he would renew their call to be the light of the world. A few years back, Jill and I watched the entire box set of The West Wing. We loved it so much, in fact, we're thinking about watching it again, but we're not sure if we can commit. It's 154 hours of TV, which adds up to about 20 working days if you watched it back to back. I think it might be a bit too much, but we just loved going there. We loved going to that world. We loved the characters, and we especially loved the character of Jed Bartlett, who was the president of the United States. And he had all the best lines in the show And he always knew just what to do. And he was a bit of a maverick. He did things his own way, but that just made you love him more because he was good. And somehow as we sat up, probably usually too late at night, watching one more episode of this TV show, we felt that as we spent time with these characters that they brightened our lives somehow. The truth, of course, about the West Wing and the characters is that they're not real, they're fictional. And when we turned the TV off, the light that they gave us quickly faded. The truth also about the ceremony of illumination that Israel celebrated was that the character at the center of it, Israel's Messiah, had also become a fictional character for them. You see, God had spoken to Israel over the centuries and described this Messiah who would come and restore them to be the light of the world. But somehow over the years, they had begun to misunderstand exactly what was being promised. And so whenever the Messiah did come, they didn't recognize him. And it is that tragedy that is being played out in the passage that we read today. John describes that Jesus is standing in front of the very symbol of Israel's messianic hope in the court of the woman. And he says, I'm here, it's me, I am the light of the world. But the religious leaders just react with confusion. They don't recognize the Messiah. And they lead many in the crowd on a verbal attack on Jesus. They want to discredit him. They say, your testimony is not valid. Who is your father? What they really want is for him to go away and leave them alone. It's, It's almost like his light is shining into the darkness of their hearts. And they just want to run and hide. They don't want to know. The thing about the true light that Jesus brings is that it penetrates any darkness and illuminates absolutely everything. The darkness tries to resist it, but it just can't. When God came looking for Adam and Eve in the garden after, they had, after the fall, they tried to hide themselves. They found a, a dark place. They found some darkness and they went into it to escape the illuminating presence of God. They wanted to keep the things of sin hidden because it was causing them shame. When God asked them what had happened, the first words that they spoke were words of division and blame. As we said at the start, it feels like there's so much darkness in the world these days as we 
experience things and we watch the news cycle and we, and we feel the weight of it over and over and over again. We see in one place that there's division and discrimination and oppression of one people by another. And in an, another place we see violence and vandalism incited by powerful leaders who just want to manipulate and spin the truth in order to build their own reputation and their own empire. In another place, tragically, we see 39 human beings dead in the darkness of a lorry, being deprived of even the air to breathe. Faced with this darkness, as we sit and watch these things on the news, we also speak words of blame. It's so easy for us just to point the finger and say, those people are awful, and not confront the darkness in our own lives. The thing is, the darkness that we see out there on the news is in here too, deep within us all. Selfishness, greed, division, anger, the list goes on. It's sin and none of us are immune. And the truth is that we're all slaves to darkness and on our own we'll never become free. Jesus didn't just come to tell us not to sin. He came to set us free from sin because he knows we can't do it for ourselves. Just like the ancient Israelites, to break free, we need the illuminating light of God's presence. You know, I've been reading this passage all week and thinking about it, and part of its light hadn't dawned on me until this morning. I'd been reading the verses about the dispute that was going on between Jesus and the Israelite leaders and, and I just didn't see what was happening. I was thinking to myself, poor Jesus, this is awful. Why are these people treating Jesus like this? He's all alone and he's kind of on trial before the religious leaders. But I kept tripping up over one verse. It just didn't seem to quite fit. And it was one sentence in verse 20. It says, yet no one sees them because his time had not yet come. I think what I had missed was that Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, the light of the world, was totally in control of everything that was happening. The only reason why this whole scene was playing out was because Jesus was permitting it. It wasn't Jesus that was on trial, it was the religious leaders. The light of the world had entered the darkness and disorder to bring order. And when the darkness and light come together in this way, there can be a reaction, and it was a heated, angry scene but we should never let ourselves believe the lie that Jesus hated the people who opposed him. He didn't, he loved them, and that's why he came. The whole reason for Jesus' mission and every word that he spoke, as harsh and challenging at times as they were, was love. John writes in his gospel, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The light of Christ illuminates our sin to convict us to bring about transformation so that we turn and see the light. But it doesn't come to condemn us. The only way we can actually be condemned is to choose to reject the light. And we are given that choice. Jesus will not force us to let the light in. Just like he doesn't force the people in the temple court to understand who he is when it's clear that they just never will. Verse 27 to 29 in our passage says, they did not understand that he was telling them about his father. 
So Jesus said, when you, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. You know, Jesus was the only person who ever lived who always did what pleased the Father. He was completely without darkness and without sin. And where there's no sin, there's no division from God. So Father, Son, and Spirit had always been in a perfect, eternal relationship of love and light. In the begin, uh, John's Gospel, John writes this. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. To pay the debt for sin, Jesus, the light of the world, would leave this perfect relationship. Light of the world stepping down into darkness, exchanging light for separation, desolation, and darkness at the cross. As the Father, who loved the Son, poured out the punishment for sin, so that we never have to face it because the sentence has already been served. And it must make you ask, why? Why would God do that? Why would Jesus leave that relationship and go to that awful place? And the answer is love. It's just because he loves us more than we can understand. And our journey in the light is all about accepting that love. Jesus was lifted up on the cross to be a light in the same way as those golden bowls of oil were lifted up and they were a light in the darkness, the great torches that illuminated every dark corner of every courtyard in Jerusalem, the light of Christ shines into every dark corner in our human hearts to illuminate the darkness. In providing this light, Jesus himself was completely burned out. At the end of Jesus' life, the land went dark and Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me as the sin of the world was, was laid on him? And he breathed his last. But that wasn't the end of the story because three days later, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, the resurrection light of Christ dawned on the world. Our darkness had been paid for and Jesus, by the creative power of the Holy Spirit, was raised from the dead and with him, the light was resurrected and it dawned on the world. Through the power of the Holy Spirit that shines in the darkness, that light shines today. And Jesus is making all things new. And that includes me. And I hope it includes you. You may feel today that there are too many dark corners in your life. Or that darkness has crept into the relationship that you once had with God and now there's separation. But the truth this morning is that there's no dark corner in this world. There's no news story. There's no darkness that the resurrection light of Christ isn't able to illuminate. In fact, the darkness in this world, our darkness, is the very place that Jesus wants to meet us. Instead of hiding our darkness away from him, if we'll open ourselves up and meet him, he'll come to us gently and lovingly not making us ashamed, but setting us free. He'll say this, it's okay. You don't have to hide this from me. I see it. I'm the light of the world. You don't have to be weighed down by this anymore. I know you can't fix it. I'll fix it for you. Just follow me into the light. 
I'll carry your darkness so you don't have to. I'll give you light in return, the light of life. It's yours already, I've paid for it. The sentence has been served, it's finished. You know, at the start of this talk, we asked, is Jesus the light of the world? And the truth is, ultimately, each person has to decide for themselves. But if you are ready to trust Jesus with your darkness this morning, I want, to, I want to invite you to hand it over to him right now. Because he's waiting to take it from you and to give you light in return. And it doesn't mean, as Mark said, that you'll never have trouble. Because we will have trouble in this life, Jesus told us that. But it means that you'll have a light that burns within you that the darkness in this world can't extinguish. So I want to invite you to say this prayer with me now, just to, wherever you are, whatever your situation is, just to echo these words, either out loud or in your heart. Jesus, I am sorry about my part in the darkness of this world. Thank you that you, the light of the world, died so that my darkness could be turned into light. Jesus, I want to follow you. Please be Lord of my life so I will never walk in darkness again. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, we would love to connect with you. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to encourage you to continue this journey that you've started with Jesus. So please get in touch with us either on our website or through our social media. There's lots of ways that you can connect with the community to, uh, of believers here and we'd love to welcome you. And one of the ways is that we have an Alpha course starting this evening. It's happen, happening entirely online and you can connect from the comfort of your own home and learn much more about the Christian faith. And it's not too late to get connected, so please get in touch. So this week, as we see the daylight hours continue to increase, let's remember and be thankful that there is light in this world Everlasting light and the good news that is promised has come. He is real and the resurrection light has dawned on the world. And whatever darkness looks like for you or whatever feels like darkness to you, maybe it's bitterness or envy or death or sickness or the news stories or isolation or fear or anxiety, it will never have the last word in this world. There is hope. There is hope that lasts there is hope that will lift your weary heart and his name is Jesus Christ. And if we look for him and follow him, we will no longer be slaves to the darkness, but we'll have the light of life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are the light of the world, just as you said you are. Lord, I pray that you will make that real for us every day, Lord, that we will walk in your light and we will not fear the darkness. And in fact, Lord, that we will be lights and we will dispel darkness everywhere we go. Lord, fill us full of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray you will bless and soothe this world, Lord, and you will spread your light and you will build up the brokenhearted and you'll restore the hope of the weary, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for all you've done, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.